Welcome to the Fan Experience, a Phoenix Rising supporters podcast. Stick around for interviews, analysis, fan stories, and our love affair with Phoenix Rising. And now to kick things off is your host, Niall McCarthy. What's up, football-loving maniacs? This is Devin Kerr, and you're listening to the Fan Experience. Phoenix Rising family, it's been a heavy week. Russia's invasion of Ukraine brings sadness and uncertainty. Not what we need at this time as nations are still coping with a pandemic that has devastated so many around the world. I hope this podcast will help bring a little lightness to your day, will bring a little smile to your face and will help you feel a little more connected to our awesome community of football-loving maniacs. Over the last few weeks, Phoenix Rising faced off against two MLS teams in preseason games. Since the MLS kicked off its season this weekend, I thought it would be worth looking at how those teams performed. Houston Dynamo, who beat us 2-1, hosted Real Salt Lake, and they disappointed their fans with a nil-all draw. Sporting Kansas City, who we beat 2-1, played away to Atlanta United and came up short, losing to the hosts 3-1. I was also interested to see how FC Cincinnati did in their opening match of the 2022 campaign, simply because coach Brad Goff, he joined us on the podcast a few weeks ago in episode 38 to talk about his team, FC Cincinnati. He was with us to talk about what it was like for a USL team to go to the MLS. Episode 38, check it out. At the time, I consoled coach Brad Goff about his team coming dead last every season since they joined MLS, and I wished him well for 2022. Sadly for him, they're off to another disastrous start, losing 5-0 to Austin FC, which puts them dead last in the MLS yet again. 5-0, ouch, that was the worst result in the MLS over the weekend, almost as bad as the 4-0 loss that Vancouver Whitecaps suffered at the hands of Columbus Crew. Vancouver Whitecaps played three at the back, and one of those three defenders was red-carded a little after half-time, leaving them with only two of the starting defenders remaining on that back line. Why am I telling you this? Well, one of those defenders was Tristan Blackman. Many of you will remember his days with Phoenix Rising when he played on loan from LAFC. Tristan, we feel for you, bro. Moving closer to home, we had a preseason doubleheader at Wild Horse Pass this weekend. We beat Val United FC 5-0 and tied 2-0 with the new kids on the block, Detroit City FC. We had one of the founders of Detroit City FC here on the pod in episode 37. It was fun getting to know what the team is all about and why the fans are so, quote, rabid. Episode 37, check it out. I was lucky enough to be able to attend the doubleheader on Friday, February 25th, and I'll be joined by Kelly McCarthy in a little bit to reflect on that doubleheader. Since our last episode, we heard two announcements from the club. One is for an event on March 7th at the Churchill in downtown Phoenix. Phoenix Rising hosted watch parties there last season to give us a chance to get together to watch the team during away matches. We had fun on this podcast reviewing those watch parties and we'll be there for this event too. It kicks off at 6pm and I'm taking a leap of faith in saying that the event will serve as the club's 2022 season jersey release. At the time of this recording it hasn't been confirmed but really what else could it be? If all goes well, I'll be talking about it on next week's pod because it's all part of the fan experience. 
The second announcement is that our first Open Cup match for 2022 is scheduled for Wednesday, April 6th at 7.30pm. It will be against local boys Value United FC and I can't wait. We'll be talking more about the Open Cup in future episodes. Let's get back to this episode. In addition to reviewing the latest pre-season games, John Morrissey is with us to bring us the highlights from around the USL. John is confirmed as a regular contributor to this show for 2022 and we couldn't be happier. John brings us up to speed with other teams on and off the field, all through the lens of a Phoenix Rising supporter, or at least a Phoenix Rising empath, as his heart truly belongs to Indy 11, the hometown club of his youth. Our featured interview on the show today is with Gabriel Claudio, who was a trialist with Phoenix Rising over the last few weeks. Gabriel has a fascinating sports background, but our focus is to find out how Gabriel got the opportunity to go on trial with Phoenix Rising and what it was like. All that's coming up, but first, let's get to the preseason game roundup. I hope you enjoy the show. It's best when shared with a friend. Afterwards, please rate, review, subscribe and follow this podcast. We love hearing from you, so send your questions, thoughts and ideas to thefanexperiencefc at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter at FanExperienceFC and the invitation is always there for you to come on the show and talk rising. Also, be sure to join us next week when, if all goes well, I'll have an interview with one of your favourite players from the current Phoenix Rising roster. Foster. Can't wait for you to join us. Enjoy the show. This is Rick Shantz, the head coach of Phoenix Rising, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. Phoenix Rising had a preseason doubleheader on February 25th. Our boys beat Valley United FC 5-0 and drew 2-2 with Detroit City FC. We're going to start our review with that game against Valley United FC. They are the other professional team in Phoenix. They've been around since 2020, but recently rebranded themselves as Valley United FC in preparation for playing in one of the third division leagues in the US soccer pyramid, NISA, National Independent Soccer Association. We'll be seeing them once more in 2022, and that's when we played them in the Open Cup at a date that's not yet set. Previously on this podcast, we've talked about how final scores don't really matter in preseason games because we're not playing for a cup, we're not playing for points. What's important is the opportunity to practice. Having said that, it's nice to win, and 5-0 against Valley United FC is a convincing win. Kelly McCarthy is with me to discuss the game. Kelly, welcome to the fan experience. Tell us about the game. Set the scene for us. Well, as you mentioned, this was a closed match It was on a Friday evening, and we were just really delighted and honored and flattered to get to attend with our press credentials. It was really cool to be there. I've personally never been at this stadium when it wasn't an open, populated, raucous (laughs) crowd match. So it was really fun. It was very different Um, just from a fan experience perspective. It was like we were the fly on the wall a little bit. So I really enjoyed that. You know, this isn't something everyone gets the opportunity to do. So I just want to share that it's a little bit of a different experience because, and we talked about this when we attended the Los Dos Uh, when Phoenix Rising played Los Dos last year in the 2021 season, and we got to attend that close match, you really get to hear so much more from the actual team 
the conversations, the communication, the leadership that's happening on the field. So that was something, hopefully I'll remember to touch on that again. That's always an interesting way to experience the game. And it was just really cool. It was lovely to be there. And it was a beautiful night, a little chilly, but hey, we got to take advantage of those cool temperatures while we can. Yeah, it was so much fun. Kelly, the format for this game was a little bit different. Instead of going 45 minutes, taking a break for halftime, and then another 45 minutes, it was a little different. So tell us about that. It was different. So we did have a traditional sort of first half, which was 45 minutes. We took that 15 minute break, and then the same team came back and played only 30 minutes for that second quote unquote half. So it was 75 minutes. We only saw one substitution. So it was pretty much, you know, the, the field that took the team that took the field stayed for those full 75, which was really nice kind of from a note taking an observation standpoint, it was cool to see that same team play through for the entire match, which as we know in a preseason game where they do these things and kind of shuffle up the format and change things around, a lot of times you might have like a wholesale roster change. So, so it was different and I really enjoyed it. Yeah, great. Let's talk about that roster. I'm going to go through uh, who, who was on the roster. But first, let's give us your thoughts on how this roster was composed. Well, it was very interesting. And we'll certainly allow our listeners to give this some thought themselves as well. I mean, the short answer is we don't exactly know why or how the teams were split. Now, as you mentioned, on this particular evening of February 25th, Phoenix Rising had a doubleheader. So effectively, the team seems to have kind of been split in half with half the team playing against Valley United and the other half playing that later match against Detroit City. But in terms of how and why they were split, you know, that's for Rick Chance to tell us. But I had a bit of a theory. It looked to me when I looked at who took the start, you know, who played in this match against Valley United, it really felt like we played a second string player, if you will, anywhere where our first string was lacking depth. So that was kind of what came to mind for me when I was looking at, okay, who from the starting 11 isn't on the pitch tonight in this match? And that was what I observed. So an example that anyone could probably connect with is we know we lack depth in our center back positions right now. Our second string center backs are both injured. So that's an area of concern. So our starting string center backs were not on the pitch and we'll tell you who was. Same thing if you look at like a Kevin Lambert spot, who is a natural replacement for Kevin Lambert? First of all, there's no such thing. <laughs> we never want him injured, but that's an example. He was not on the pitch. So that's kind of what I observed. It looked like these places where we lack depth, where we could have challenge. Um, we put someone new in there and we played with them. And that was really interesting to watch. Gotcha. And as far as tactics is concerned, the only thing that we agreed on is that there were four at the back. Um, mm -hmm. What what else was happening? Was it a 4-2-4? Was it a 4-4-2? We couldn't really figure that out, but it was a, a really attacking game. And mm. the yeah, it, it was a it was a team that I felt gelled really well, even yeah. though it was a mix of first string, second string. And so when, you know, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Tom. Niall. Two things that work together that support what you just said. I mean, I think tactically people would say, oh, there's such thing, it's, there's there's such thing. And it's more common to see a 4-4-2 and there's been discussion that maybe Phoenix Rising would play 4-4-2 based on some of the recent attackers that we've signed. So true, 
However, you know, a lot of times that 442 can take a 424 shape when you're playing offensively. And because we were playing a team that we were able to I'll say dominate. I mean, Valley United, as we'll discuss, held up well, looked great, was an awesome team, were great competitors, but we beat them 5-0. So, you know, it was a decisive win. And because of that, we played very offensively. The whole team was offensively minded for, you know, the full 75 minutes, pretty much. So as a result, you know, that tactical shape kind of changes. And we really did seem to have four up top. Okay, great. Okay, let's get into it. So in goal, we had our, what we're assuming is our number one goalie, that's Ben Lund. On the back line, in left back, we had Babukar Njai, and then right back, we had Darnell King, and our center backs, Jonathan Levine, and trialist number one. So I took a break there, because that's exactly what you were talking about, Kelly, when you said that our first string center backs were not in this team. So who's mm-hmm. going to be there as our center back? So it was Jonathan Levine and it was a trialist. I was so impressed with Jonathan Levine in that center back position. What did you think? Same. Absolutely. And I'm sure our listeners are like, well, if they're dorky like us, our jaws dropping like Levine as a center back. I mean, this was a big surprise for us. I agree with you. I thought he was fantastic. He definitely seemed to take a leadership role, a lot of communication from him, a lot of confidence in that spot. My only criticism is he wasn't great in the air. Now, I think most Phoenix Rising fans will know he's not particularly tall when it comes to a football player. Um, But he also, I didn't love his timing with those headers. I felt like he was going up a little bit early, which is definitely not what you need when you're a shorter player. Other than that was my only complaint. I really felt he owned that spot. I really liked him there. Not only did he hold his ground, and we mentioned there wasn't a ton of offense from Valley United, but not only did he look like he knew what he was really doing, I felt like he owned it. You know, it was, it was sort of, the best I'd seen him play. The funny thing is, Kelly, the other center back, trialist number mm. one, I thought he had an awesome game. And he was more in, in the mold of Joey Farrell. He's tall. When taking corner kicks, he was the one that went up to try to get the headers. And overall, I thought he played really well. Anything you want to add about trialist number one? I agree. And I will just say, I'm pretty sure he played in the center back position against Sporting Kansas City. Um, And you might recall, I really enjoyed him then as well. So I think this guy is great. I'd love to give him a name and I hope we see him, you know, on the permanent roster. So moving up the field, we had Santi Mar, Luis Sejas. We had Arturo Rodriguez, Joey Calistri, Richmond Antwi, and Greg Hurst. So normally I'd say in the midfield we had and (laughs) in the forward we had, but just can't really do that this time. Kelly, let's get to the goals and then we'll talk about who the standout players were. So the first goal... It started with Arturo Rodriguez. He was deep in the opponent's half, not far from the corner flag on the left side. He made a short pass to Luis Sejas, who dribbled forward, beating defenders, and crossed the ball across the goal to Joey Calistri, who arrived on the back post just in time to push the ball over the line. Fantastic goal. Kelly, what did you think? This was really awesome because, again, it was that back post runner, in this case, Joey Calistri, who had the goal, which we love seeing those well-timed runs. Also, really notably, we had Antwi making sort of a a near post run as well. 
throwing off the defense. So we had a lot of activity, a lot of timed runners, and Kalistri was able to really bury it. So it was a beautiful goal. And they do want to give Sejas his, oh my gosh, I almost said just desserts. I promise I'm not 95 years old. (laughs) I want to give him his credit because you know, in our last roundup discussing our last preseason match, I sort of questioned Sejas and whether or not he's the type of player that's better when he's playing with the second string um, than with our presumptive starters. And I just want to mention Sejas had another awesome game. And in my mind, in this lineup, he was the person slotting in for Kevin Lambert. He had to do a lot of defensive work. You know, he was sort of playing in the backfield. And in this case, he makes a really great offensive run. And great dribbling through traffic, beautiful pass. Kelly, let's move on to the second goal. This time, Kalistri had the ball. He was running toward goal. He had moved just inside the 18-yard box on the right side, and he was taken down, earning a penalty. So Arturo Rodriguez stepped up to take it. And Kelly, where did he put the ball? Well, if you watched the live stream match against Sporting Kansas City and saw Rodriguez take that penalty kick, then you basically saw this one. Same thing, kind of high to the right. But, you know, whatever he's doing is throwing those goalkeepers off. They're going in the wrong direction. He's easily burying it. And, you know, it seems he's going to be a penalty kick taker and he's doing really well. Yeah, and you described that really well. I Honestly, I didn't know when I was asking you that if you were going to say, oh, he put it in the back of the net or if you were going to describe exactly <laughs> what he did. So yeah, full points to you on that. All right, let's move on to the next goal. And actually, these next three goals are super interesting. The third goal came in the 31st minute because of Babakar Anjai's throw-in, a beautiful throw-in on the left sideline. The ball went behind Greg Hurst. He had to turn with the ball. He slipped by a defender and basically passed it off to Richmond Antwi, who just had to tap it in and and finish it off. So a beautiful goal. Kelly, any comments on that? Yeah, a couple of comments. First of all, it was really nice, and and our listeners will come to appreciate that as we talk about the next goal, but it was really nice to see um, how Antwi and Hurst work together in that forward line. And we talked about, you know, the team potentially being a 4-4-2. And these are two players that might play together up top if we have indeed that sort of format. And I'm talking about Richmond, also known as Richie Antwi, as well as Greg Hurst. Now, I mentioned after our last preseason match that I wanted to see more Greg Hurst, and we really saw more Greg Hurst. (laughs) So once again, proving that people listen to our podcast and, you know, and deliver on these things we wish to see, but Hurst was awesome. You mentioned, yeah, he really, this was a great throw by Enjai, huge long throw. Hurst is able to track with it. One of the things that I really liked is that we saw Antwi, he was hugging that left line. And instead of going for that ball, which was somewhere between him and Hurst, he cuts back by behind Hurst and makes sort of that central run right up the middle, which Hurst delivers to him. So it was a great run. I think his movement off the ball probably threw off the defense a little bit. It was great control by Hurst. And another thing I would mention is that ball is coming across the goal a play that we're seeing a lot of from Phoenix Rising and we're absolutely loving. Antwi times it really nicely, but 
anyone who's watched a little bit of soccer recently or coached or played knows that you really want that ball to cross your body and you want to make that goal with your right foot. You know, that equal and opposite physics reaction, that's kind of the foot you want to score with. But Antwi doesn't really have time because he's got a defender on his right shoulder. So instead, he turns both his hips towards that incoming ball and then he buries it with his left foot. It just takes skill. Things can go wrong. So I I really thought it was a skillful play by Antwi and a smart decision. Goal number four. I'm going to start this one off with Hurst. And I just want to say that I wasn't so sure about Greg Hurst up until I saw him in this game. I thought he played exceptionally well. Yeah. I'm very confident with his abilities. So he intercepted a pass and he moved toward goal. He lobbed the ball into the box. And who was there? Who did he find? Uh, Richie Antwi. And Richie was there to blast it home. So Kelly, your thoughts on that one? I absolutely agree with you in terms of Hurst and in terms of this play and, and how skillful it was once again. You know, what we saw with Greg Hurst, I think, and this will come into fruition with the next goal as well, is just someone who's having a lot of fun and who has a lot of tricks in their bag. <laughs> Expression number two, that makes me sound really old, but, you know, he had options here. And I think a lesser player maybe would have tried to take the shot because to make the assist and to play this to Antwi required kind of a lobbing ball up over the head of some defenders while running full speed with a bunch of options. You know, he it was a smart play and Antwi was totally ready. And I mean, he had to, to take a really quick volleying shot, just catching that ball on its way down because the goalkeeper was really close to him. So it was beautiful, skillful play for both of them and a great connection. And I'll mention just one play beyond that, Antwi actually passed it to Hurst, who then passed it back to him. So they're linking up really beautifully. They're having some fun together. Yeah. Okay. Let's get to goal number five. So this one, it started with Arturo Rodriguez when he dribbled through the middle of the park. He chipped the ball over the defenders. Hurst ran to the ball and slotted it home. Beautiful combination play. It's great to see Arturo Rodriguez when he turns it on. It's great to see Greg Hurst being able to finish the way he did. Kelly. Absolutely. Agree with you. You know, you kind of called it a chip or a lob from Rodriguez to Hurst. You know, it was, but it also split those center backs. And that's something I love seeing. You know, it's kind of that well-weighted ball. It had just enough on it to get past them, but not so much that we had Hurst, you know, battling too much with the goalkeeper. So it was a beautiful pass. And like you said, you know, he had to dribble through, I think, like three, maybe even four Valley United players. Um, in order to then set up this play. So yeah, Rodriguez was on fire. He had a hand, you know, at least a, a hand, a foot um, <laughs> on a lot of these goals, a lot of the offensive play that we saw. So he was great. Hurst was great. Yeah, Richmond Antwi. I'm confident with him moving forward. And I'm confident with Greg Hurst, as, as I mentioned as well. I didn't see enough from them in previous games, but last night they proved that they can turn it on. I also thought that Babukar Njai uh, put on a masterclass and we started off by talking about our two center backs and I thought they were stellar. So am I missing anybody from that lineup? Anybody that you want to give kudos to, Kelly? You know, it's interesting because I just realized everyone had a hand in the offensive play in a sense, you know, everyone got mentioned. So it was a good, it was a good team that we fielded and they played well together. Like literally the only person we haven't talked about is Santi Moore. 
which is really interesting. And it goes to show, you know, that some of these new signings are going to help, are going to help Santi more. I mean, he was one of our most productive forwards last season in the 2021 season, and he's going to be again, he's always going to be up for it. He's going to shine, but it's nice to see that we've got some more options up top and they're already linking up. They're already playing smart and creatively with each other. And Santi Moar is going to, you know, he's going to shine. He's going to be amazing, but it's just nice to know that he's got some help up there, you know, and we see this, we recently talked about uh, in our Where Are They Now segment, I think from our last podcast, we talked about Junior Flemings and how well he played with Asante, how well they played with Adam John, you know, that 2019 season where I think Flemo had 16 goals, Adam John had 17, and Solomon Asante had 22. So, you know, the better players you have up front, the more goals you're going to see amongst all of them, whether it's, you know, them serving each other assists, whether it's them scoring, it's a good thing. You know, you're not taking goals from anyone. You're creating more opportunities from each other. And based on what we saw in this Valley United game, I think that's what the 2022 season is going to be a lot of scoring. Wow. So looking forward to it, Kelly. This was a double header, and the second game of the night was against Detroit City FC. Unfortunately, we weren't able to stick around for this game, but I've got a bit of a summary. In goal, we had Lalo Delgado. On the back line, we had Ryan Flood, James Musa, Joey Farrell, and Channing Chasten. In the midfield, we had Kevin Lambert, Aiden Quinn, and trialist number two. And up front, Marcus, Marcus Epps, Ivan Gutierrez, and Claudio Repetto. Detroit City FC came out strong in this game and they were up 2-0 in the first half. Goals came in the 26th and in the 30th minute. We answered both of those goals in the second half. There was an own goal that Marcus Epps forced in the 66th minute. And that is really something that looks like it came from a blooper reel. Marcus Epps sent the ball in hard across the goal line and their defender, their center back, I think it was, He saw the ball coming and he attacked the ball with his head and basically sent it into his own goal with gusto. Pretty hilarious stuff. The second goal came from uh, Ryan Flood and it was an absolute banger in the 76th minute. After that, coach Rick Shantz brought in the academy players to finish out the game. So nothing dramatic to report from there. My takeaways from this game is that we have the heart to fight when we are behind. I think that Rick Shantz will not be disappointed with the opportunity to drill that into the boys and motivate them for when the action truly starts with their first game against Monterey Bay on March 12th. Kelly, how about you? Any takeaways from that second game? I agree with you. You know, I think it's always a stunner when you get down by two goals, you know, it's just something that can really knock you back, especially if you're expecting to win. I mean, (laughs) that makes it even more challenging. So I agree with you to be able to kind of claw back and bring that game level is really shows a lot of heart, shows a lot of determination and grit. And especially we know this wasn't our presumptive starting 11. This wasn't our A string all playing together. So, you know, you're going to see some hiccups. You're going to see some errors. You're you're not going to see necessarily the forcefulness of that first team. So, so yeah, I agree with you. I think your takeaway is key. And it was also really great to see the highlight of that Ryan flood goal. I mean, I don't know exactly what his story is with the team. He's obviously not 
doesn't seem to be the starting left back, um, but we all really like him and want him to succeed. So it's just great. You know, that's confidence building. It's also a reminder of just what he is capable of. I mean, he's got a serious left foot. Kelly, thank you for joining us on the Fan Experience. Our next segment, John Morrissey from USL Tactics is with us to bring us news from the league. And then we're going to talk to Gabriel Claudio, who is a trialist for the last few weeks with Phoenix Rising. Kelly, you heard me chatting with Gabriel. What's your favorite part of his story? So much of it. So much of it. I mean, it's just so exciting to hear from a trialist. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners feel the same way, which is like, what's their deal? Where do they come from? How do they get the opportunity? And what is it like for them? So, I mean, those were kind of the highlights for me, especially hearing hate, sorry, spoiler, but hearing him kind of talk about how welcomed he really felt by the team. That's what I would like to picture. You know, that's how I picture the Phoenix Rising Boys is just like fun and welcoming and supportive. And he really reports that that's how they were. So for me, that was my favorite. Well, Kelly, you're invited to stick around and hear it again. But first, we'll hear from John Morrissey. Hello, this is Juan Uresti from 90 Mass Rising, and you're listening to The Fun Experience. Phoenix Rising family, I'm delighted to welcome John Morrissey back to the show. John is with us every week, bringing us news from around the USL. Welcome back to the show. How did the week shape up? Thanks again for having me on, Niall. So happy to be able to just chat about the league a little bit and catch up on what was a surprisingly busy round of signings, honestly. Yeah, John, from having you on week in, week out, we've discovered one thing, and that is there's no shortage of news in the USL. So what's top of the list this week? I think the first thing that Phoenix fans should pay attention to is David Egbo landing up with um, Memphis 901 on another loan. He was fine for the rising at the end of last season. I don't think he blew anyone away necessarily, but was good. And to me, he slots in as the number one striker for a decent Memphis 901 team that is really sitting on the playoff fringe. Uh, they're a side that, in terms of their offseason, has made a couple good additions, but two League One midfielders, Aaron Malloy, who uh, Phoenix has played against in Portland at least, and uh, Devin Boyce, who's been a League One lifer, but they both really project as players who could be difference makers. And I think uh, you saw another set of League One players make the move to Rio Grande, who really has been kicking it up in terms of actually filling out their roster in recent weeks. So what they did was pick up Ricky Ruiz and Jonathan Ricketts from Chattanooga. And Ruiz is definitely the one to watch here. He led League One in assists, a very good left-footed sort of player, in fact, really going to be driving offense for Rio Grande, who, after going months without signing anybody, has allowed a full starting 11 of decently talented USL quality players. Will they be a playoff threat? Maybe not. But um, if you look at maybe Jose Francisco Torres, a player with US national team caps, or Juan Pablo Torres, who um, has NYCFC pedigree and put up excellent creation numbers with Austin, they're going to have a decent roster. And I think the interesting dynamic with the RGV was that their signings were so delayed in terms of the announcement side of things because they had a new communications team. So I think as someone who was very critical of them, it's important to take a step back and realize, hey, sometimes there are factors that are getting in the way of things. Um, that said, let's move on to San Diego, who had a couple of moves in the last week or so. First of all, it was a somewhat minor trade, really, with Colorado Springs. 
Uh, they picked up Thomas Amang, a um, really young right forward who can play any of the top three kind of wing spots as well in an in exchange for Haji Abdi Kadir, who's something of a central midfield player, didn't get a ton of run out. It's more just addressing needs for both teams where San Diego wanted some forward depth and Colorado Springs needed another body in the middle. Elsewhere in San Diego, I thought it was interesting that Miguel Ibarra formally exited and he actually signed with an indoor league, which is a fun headline to see. Ibarra, again, got some national team run back in his NASL days in Minnesota, a player I really enjoy watching. And one more San Diego headline was that they got Rocket League, the uh, soccer car racing sort of video game to sponsor their kits, which is something fun to think about. Um, one more Western headline to hit, or rather two of them, but uh, Orange County signed Milan Alosky. Now you may be familiar with his brother, Brian, who's been a, pretty much a stalwart of what Orange County has been doing for a couple of seasons now. Both of them are pretty talented attacking midfielders. Um, I really fancy what Milan Alosky brought to the table in the past season with Real Monarchs. Uh, he's a traditional number 10. He's good at picking up the ball, creating, passing it to teammates. Uh, he generates his own shot in a really effective way. To me, the best Orange County lineup has both Alosky brothers in it, but we'll see what gives on that regard. And then now, actually, one more Western headline as uh, Sam Gleedle was signed by Monterey Bay. Monterey really has filled out that back line nicely. Gleedle is a left back who tore it up with Reno in 2019 and 2020. He joined San Antonio last season, and I thought it was going to be excellent for him. That's a team that employs really attacking-minded wingbacks, and Gleedle fits that bill. And he started the season well. I talked about him a lot early on in the campaign, but he picked up some injury troubles. San Antonio sort of settled into an 11 that suited them down the stretch, and Gleedle didn't get a ton of chances but he's going to be a week-in, week-out, very important player for what Frank Gallup is doing over in California. John, I'm just thrilled that you're talking about Monterey Bay because it's really appropriate because they're the first team that we play in the regular season. We're playing them on March 12th at Wild Horse Pass, so totally looking forward to that. John, I'm going to ask you to hold it there. You've given us the news from the Western Conference. I'll have you back in a little bit to bring us up to speed on the Eastern Conference. Listeners, stick with us. We've got a really exciting segment coming up, and then we'll hear from John again in a little while. All right, this is Brian, a.k.a. the Mass Maniac from Union 602, and you are listening to The Fan Experience. Moving right along, our next guest is Gabriel Claudio. Gabriel was a trialist during the 2022 preseason, vying for a spot with Phoenix Rising. He's with me today to talk about how he got the opportunity to be a trialist and what the experience was like. Gabriel, welcome to the Fan Experience. Let's take a minute to get to know your background. First off, where are you from? From Yuma, Arizona, and uh, I'm, I'm excited to be here. An Arizona boy, fantastic. How often did you change positions before you found yourself kind of at your home in the center back role? So, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still changing positions, you know, constantly. I just, ver versatile, got a bit of athleticism, so... It, it makes it easy for coaches to move me. But so I was a, I was a nine. Well, actually, so I started off as a defensive mid sophomore year of high school, then went to a number 10 my junior year and then played the nine my senior year and then went to Yavapai. They changed me to center back and then played the six for half a year Then went back to center back 
played the nine a couple games <laughs> in junior college. And uh, and then when I went to Nevada, they played me at right wing back for a while and then put me back at center back. And then in Laredo, they played me at center back and right back. And then finally now I've just been playing center back. But so I've been I've been moving around quite a bit. Wow, you really have practically every position in the field. Where do you feel most comfortable yourself? Uh, depends on the style of play, but usually center back. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. So tell us about Laredo Heat. So Laredo Heat, they are in the same league as FC Arizona, which is where we got Ryan Flood from. So mm-hmm. they're in the NPSL. That's fourth division of U.S. soccer. So tell us about your time there. Yeah. Well, shout out to my guy, Ryan Flood. He's a, a guy's a, an all-star. But um, Laredo was, I mean, I'll tell this to anyone. If if you want to play summer league, uh, if you want to, like, a, you're a college kid and want to play summer league, Laredo's the spot to be. I mean, it's pretty close to professional as you can, like, get from not being professional. They they take care of their players. They got a good fan base. And it's uh, it's quality over there. Right on. So then the next highlight that I've got for you is coming to Phoenix as a trialist. So how did you get the opportunity? And the reason I ask is because there's so many players fighting to get a spot on a professional team. How did you get the opportunity to train and fight for a spot with Phoenix Rising over the last few weeks here? So um, I signed, I'm, I'm signed with the uh, Path to Pro with uh, Eric and he he has a he knows the assistant coach and he knows the head coach decent and I think one of their players who they had who they were gonna bring in dropped out and so I was playing basketball on a Sunday night just back home you know I, I'd been back home for about four weeks just waiting for my opportunity he's training but I, I mean I was playing basketball with some of the boys and right when I got done I get a phone call from my agent and he's like hey can you get to Phoenix tomorrow uh, for for rising and I'm like. I'm literally in my basketball shoes, everything. He's like, all right. And I was like, uh, yeah, I can, I can sort that out. And so I just headed out there and, and uh, I mean, try to make the most of my opportunity. And I mean, I, I loved it in Phoenix. You mentioned that you got the opportunity because of Path to Pro. So what is Path to Pro? It's, it's an agency. Um, it's, it's an agency on the West Coast. Um, Okay, yeah. gotcha. Fantastic. So you had time to basically pack a bag, grab your toothbrush, and head to Phoenix. So when did you arrive in Phoenix? I arrived in Phoenix the next morning. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a really quick turnaround. He called me about, I would say, eight thirty p.m., nine p.m., and then I was driving. I was on the road at about eight a.m., seven a.m. Okay, amazing. So is, this is sometime in January, right? Yeah, I think the near the end of January. So you get to Phoenix. Are you training at Wild Horse Pass? Yeah, so the first day I had to do COVID testing and stuff. I didn't train that first day I got there. And then the second day I just hopped hopped right into it. Okay, what do you think of the field at Wild Horse Pass? Uh, you can't beat it. The, the, those facilities, they're, they're phenomenal. You can't beat uh, their practice field and, and the game field, the atmosphere. Nice one. So I'm, I imagine on the first day you're given a jersey um, and I'm curious, does it have a number on the back or do you get to choose? How does that work out? So uh, No, just training jersey. There's no numbers in the training jersey, but um, I think I think my first jersey in that first game was number 56. It was just given to me. <laughs> 
Okay, gotcha. And were you 56 then for all games or did that change? I think I was 56, 97, then 56. I think that's how Okay, all right. <laughs> so it changed a little bit. Yeah. So what was your time like in Phoenix? And I've got a few questions to kind of guide this conversation. Let's start with the training. How did the training compare to other teams that you've trained with? Uh, training went on well. It wasn't as – I, I liked it. They didn't push the body too hard. I mean – we're getting older, you know, bodies break down a bit easier as you get older. But I liked it. It was um, it was real tactical and uh, like um, you you needed to know where you, you had to be. I mean, they, they pushed the body. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't too brutal where you were just like, oh, my gosh, this is this is too much. And it was real tactical. And, and it, it was it was good. It was good stuff. Training is one thing, but game time, of course, is very different, not just because you're playing in front of an audience audience in one occasion, but also because you're facing an opponent that you hadn't played against before. So you played in, in several preseason games. You played against Houston Dynamo, you played against Sporting Kansas City, and you played against Louisville. So um, tell us about the first one. Tell us about Houston Dynamo. Uh, they're an MLS team. Were they, did you feel like, whoa, this is a super hot team, next level? What were your thoughts? So obviously before it was my, it was going to be my first professional game, you know, so I'm, I'm uh, obviously I was I was a bit nervous and I'm I'm thinking we're on the bus ride to two so I'm thinking damn I, I can't <laughs> I can't mess this one up you know just no own goals no no nothing like that you know be simple I'm sure. trying to keep a level head and then uh, got in the game and it just felt natural I I didn't it just I felt like I belonged uh, on that pitch I felt like I earned the right to to be on that pitch and um, it just kind of you know you just kind of flowed right into it all the nerves kind of went away and and it was just good and and it helps the boys at phoenix are uh that that team is is quality they help i mean they they help other people and it's it's it was good stuff so that was behind closed doors we didn't get to see that game but the sporting kansas city one that was streamed on youtube so we got to saw we got to see you in that and that was a game that you guys won 2-1. So how did that compare to the Houston Dynamo game? So, I mean, that that game, uh, it was good. It was at our home field. I mean, um, gave up a goal early, I think, in the first half. And then we came on in the second half and held held down a clean sheet and got a got a got a goal. And I mean, we just that the the group I was with that played, they played uh we just we we would say you know, we're just going to win our half, win our half. Whatever happened in the first half, we win our half, you know, and, and those boys went out and uh, and they did it. Then you played in what the fans consider the big one. It was the one that was open to us against Louisville City. It was on February 19th. I'm just curious what that was like because you were playing in front of an audience. I don't know, if, were you expecting the smoke, the banners, <laughs> the chanting, all that? Yeah, no, I, uh, I, I knew it was going to be, it was, it was coming, you know, and I'm, I'm thinking before then, damn, I, I, I can't mess up again, you know, like, I don't want to give up. And when we came on in the second half, uh, we're right where, uh, um, the fan base is right behind the goal. We're on, we're on that side, of the side of the pitch. And I'm like, okay. And I get into a tackle over there and they're going crazy. I'm like, all right, you know what, this is, this is going to be good. And so, and <laughs> we just started flowing, you know, the game just started going because, 
it was just it was a build of confidence having that fan base behind you you know one thing goes good and those guys are on your side even if even if things were to go bad i'm sure they would still be on your side but it was it was good to get that first uh, tackle in and have that fan base behind you awesome we absolutely loved that game um it was it ended two all but i think there was nothing but smiles because we saw that our team, Phoenix Rising, was coming together. You know, we were gelling. Yeah, there were a few mistakes. There were a little bit of what you might expect from preseason rustiness, but I think it gives us great confidence going into the season. So, um, yeah, loved seeing you um, in that game. It was fantastic. Hey, Gabriel, we know that we know Phoenix Rising, um, the, their management, Bobby Dooley is the manager, and we know Coach Rick Shantz. Basically, from the time that they spend on the podcast here and when we see them in post-game interviews, we don't see them when they're, let's say, behind the scenes, when they're with the players in the locker rooms and meetings and training sessions. So what are they like? Are they tough as nails? Are they mean? Are they angry? No. So Rick's actually super, super laid back. He's, uh, I mean, I, I really respect that guy. And um, the thing with that team is you get the job done every training session we, we would go in get the job done even if it was a little rusty we get the job done effort was always there that it's a competitive group effort was never in the question guys demand excellence you know and obviously rick does too but he doesn't have to demand it as much because that that group just you know like they they demand it and and rick's laid back and then he'll take control but he's he's super laid back and then um but when he has to take control he he takes control and he he's a motivator Fantastic. I, I was at the game against um, Val United uh, just over the weekend here, and I noticed that the team were practically coaching themselves. You know, Rick just didn't have to say a lot. He wasn't like a lot of other coaches that are screaming at their players. The players kind of knew what they had to do, and they were pulling each other along and encouraging each other and telling each other where they needed to be. It was fantastic to see it. So let's let's talk about the players a little bit. We hear that there's a lot of love between the players and Phoenix Rising, that they're stand-up guys. Could you feel that there was a bond or that a bond was at least developing between the guys preparing for the season? Yeah, no, definitely. Those guys, I mean, they're experienced guys. And they a lot of those guys came from previous years with Rising and and uh, no, there's there's definitely a good a good bond, a good group there. And even I was starting to get into it. I mean, obviously, you're coming in as a trialist, and and um, it's tough, you know. Like all, just all the factors, it's tough. And then meeting meeting new guys, and obviously, they're gonna feel some some type of way when you first get in. But then I started started gelling with some of the guys, and um, it it was they 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 bring you in by the by about the fifth after the first game. I started really gelling with the guys. I think I I earned a bit of respect after that first game, and. And uh, they started bringing you in. And it's like, it's like a little family. Okay, so let's talk tactics. So a lot of us are scratching our heads with the new system of goal kick. So instead of the goalie getting the ball out, he's throwing the ball over to one of the center backs mm-hmm. who's then passing it to him. So what's going on there? So I think uh, just they got trust in their goalkeepers as they should. You know, a coach should always trust his players. And... I think that he's trusting his players in the system, and which which I think is is a good thing to do as a, as a coach. And 
I think it's just supposed to um, open up more space on the field and maybe play out of it. But um, yeah, it was, I, I was there for three weeks and I learned three weeks of it. So it was good. Yeah, well, it puts a, a lot of heat on the goalie and the center backs. Um, do you think that that we're going to see that in the in the regular season or are we just doing that for practice during the preseason? I, I would assume it goes into regular season. They try to resonate everything from preseason to regular season, you know, just try to get ready. So I, w- I would assume that they maybe not every goal kick, but I think that's going to be a, a common common theme. Wow. Okay. Well, it's a, it's a nervous move for the fans when we see that happening. Okay. During training, you probably had a scrimmage between players. So who's Phoenix Rising's best attacker? Best attacker. Well, that's, that's a tough one. They have a lot of quality attackers. I, I don't know who, the, I can't tell you who the best is, but I can tell you who I had most fun going up against was uh, Claudio. I mean, me and Claudio would uh, go at it quite a bit in the small-sided games and stuff. So he he was he was real fun to go up against, and I learned a lot going up against him. But I I, I don't think I can say who the best is. You know, they're they're all quality. Okay, awesome. Well, we're delighted to have Claudio Repetto on our team. Yeah, he looks really good in preseason. So. You didn't walk away with the contract. Did you get to keep a jersey? <laughs> no, no, I did not. Oh, I did not. Dude. Yeah, we'll have to send you one. Yeah. Um, if you had the chance to do it again, is there anything that you'd do differently? No, I think uh, I think I went in there, gave it my all. Me and me and Rick had some good conversation about maybe me being back there in the future and stuff like that, in uh, maybe near or far future. So, I mean, we're still still keeping that. Uh, that bridge open for me to come back to Phoenix, but um, we'll see. I mean, it's, it's all up in the air. I'm over here. I'm focused with Omaha right now. You know, uh, it's my main, as much as I love to go back to my home state, I got to be focused with, with Omaha and then winning games over here and trying to get a contract over here. Okay. So you're with league one right now, union Omaha, a, a fantastic team. How's that going? It's it's gone well. I've only been here for four days. We played loyal yesterday, and and I think uh, we showed we showed quite a bit. We showed a lot of heart in the squad, and and that we we weren't gonna back down from championship teams, you know. And and um, it it, it went well, it, or it's gone well. Great. And where are you? Where are you guys during the preseason? We're in uh we're in San Diego. <laughs> Okay, nice. Yeah. So you got some beach time planned, I hope. Yeah, yeah. No, we're actually supposed to head to the beach in like 30 minutes or something as a team, you know, a little team bonding, and it'll be fun. <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. Okay, well, Gabriel, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate the time that you spent with us, and good luck with getting a contract with uh, Union Omaha. We hope to see you rip it up during the season. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, appreciate you for having me. And Gabriel, that's a wrap. Thank you. Really appreciate you. And definitely hope that you'll be back um, to, to play with Phoenix at some point in your career as well. Yeah, I'm really hoping so. I think I, I can see myself there in the future. So Nice. nice. All right. Have a fantastic time at the beach. Thank you. Bye. Here we go now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is Sarah from Union 602, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. <laughs>
Thanks for sticking around, listeners. John Morrissey was kind enough to stick around too. John, earlier in the show, you talked to us about the highlights from the Western Conference, where Phoenix are ready to launch their 2022 campaign and hopefully dominate. But we're anxious to hear about the highlights from the Eastern Conference too. So what's on your radar with the Eastern Conference? Pittsburgh maybe stole some headlines. Um, They signed, what, four to six college players and the number is growing every day to kind of just fill out into the depth of that roster. In addition, they added Kevin Silva, who will be their starting goalkeeper, which late in the game for that, but I digress. Uh, Silva has a little bit of run out with Toronto's League One team. Um, he seems fine, probably a step back from Danny Vidiello. And Pittsburgh did, however, beat Indy 2-0 in a friendly. So what do I know with the criticisms? Ah, John, I'm sorry. Condolences on Indy's loss. I was looking forward to you bringing us news about your team, Indy 11, just killing it in the Eastern Conference in the preseason. So sorry about that. But, John, earlier in the week, you and I were talking about San Antonio's new kit for 2022. Lots of listeners will have heard about this, and I'm sure they've got a smile on their face right now. But just in case, tell us about San Antonio's kits. Tell us about their color choices. It's all black, and by that I mean it is all black. Numbers, names, the whole shebang. It's got a lot of criticism. On the face of things, it's a pretty kit. It's a pretty bold design just because of that color choice, the monochromatic uh, decision they made. But I specifically am recalling what Duke Keith, who calls the games for El Paso, put out, basically saying that this makes the job of an announcer impossible because you can't see the names, you can't see the numbers. You're hoping that you can identify players on iValue alone, which for a visiting team is no easy feat. So just something to think about. Uh, Be thankful that the Rising have nice, clean kits that can be easily read from a distance. But yeah, that's what I've got this week. At least in past seasons, John, Phoenix Rising's kits were readable, but we haven't heard about the kits for 2022 season. So uh, we can only hope that they're not going to be like a red on red or worse yet, white on white. So fingers crossed. Hey, John, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate you being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. My name's Alex. I am a member of Los Bandidos Football Firm, and you're listening to The Fan Experience. Phoenix Rising family, we have two preseason matches left. On March 5th, it's a doubleheader. Phoenix Rising are hosting Grand Canyon University at 4pm and FC Tucson at 7pm. Again, it's March 5th. Sadly, both matches are close to the public, but I look forward to seeing you at the jersey release, I hope it's a jersey release, on Monday, March 7th. Thank you listeners for downloading this show, episode 45 of The Fan Experience, a Phoenix Rising Supporters podcast. Thank you, Gabriel Claudio, for being an awesome guest. We hope to see you back on the field in the rising colors. Thanks to Kelly McCarthy for her insights on the preseason doubleheader. And also, I want to thank Kelly for her Where Are They Now series, where she looked into the careers of former Phoenix Rising players and asked if their time with Phoenix Rising was good for their careers. In case you missed any of those stories, Kelly did an awesome job in episode 44, where she examined the career of Junior Flemings. She did an especially nice job reflecting on the controversy he created. She talked about striker Chris Cortez in episode 40. She looked into defender AJ Cochran's amazing story in episode 41, and she reminded us of the good times with defender Amadou Dia in episode 42. 
Thank you for sharing this podcast with a friend and please rate, review, subscribe and follow this podcast. We love hearing from you, so send your questions, thoughts and ideas to the FanExperienceFC at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at FanExperienceFC and the invitation is always there for you to come on the show and talk rising. Our first game of the 2022 season is against Monterey Bay on March 12th. That date is coming soon, but not soon enough. I can't wait to join you in the stadium, to breathe in the smoke from the smoke bombs, it smells like incense, to see our boys destroy the opponents and to shout together, Go Rising!